You're listening to the Berkshire Football Stories podcast. This episode of Berkshire Football Stories was sponsored by The Curious Lounge in Reading and Ticket Pass, the ethical ticketing company. Hello and welcome to the final Berkshire Football Stories podcast of the year. It's Tom Canning here and I wanted to wish you a very happy Christmas. Rob and the rest of us will be back, we hope, with a bit more regularity in the new year. Before I play the interview with reigning Berkshire Women's Footballer of the Year, Karjal Malhotra, I wanted to go over a couple of things for 2024. First... New Voices will be a campaign and competition in January to get some fresh ideas in the mix. If you've a passion for writing, radio and podcasts or video that you'd love a platform to share, then we want to hear from you. This will be a competition that will run over six months and it will be awarded at the awards ceremony in June. We're really looking forward to this one uh, and I hope uh, we'll be able to tell you a bit more about what we're after in January. Talking of awards, Tom White will be back on Wednesday the 19th of June at Double Barrel Brewery for the annual award ceremony. And we are launching a fundraising tournament for the homeless charity Launchpad in July. More to come on that. There's loads going on, but now, without further ado, is the brilliant Maidenhead United fullback, Cardiel. further note to say that this podcast was recorded prior to the decision by Royal Borough of Windsor and Maidenhead Council not to press ahead with the Braywick Sports Plan for Maidenhead United. So uh, any reference to that uh, was uh, due to this being recorded prior to that decision. Hi everyone, it's Tom here. I am with Kajal Malhotra, uh, Maidenhead United, uh, on the injured list currently, I believe? Yes, yeah, that's correct, yeah. Missing out on all the fun? Yes, yeah, definitely. There's there's quite some results going on at the moment. They're having quite the wild time. Yes, yeah, really up and down at the moment. Um, Exciting times, I guess, yeah. 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 so, and I guess um, you were also uh, last last summer, um, I, guess, I suppose July counts as this summer, in fact, um, you were our uh, Berkshire Women's Player of the Season. Um, you stood up there, you were in front of Tom White, you had, uh, you had a, a quite a quite a packed field there as well. But but how did that feel? What, what was the what was that like for you? No, that that was a really really amazing experience. Um, I hadn't predicted I would even be nominated, <laughs> let alone win. Um, and so it was, yeah, I was really kind of thankful to win. And like you say, there were some like really really good contenders up there who had had very good seasons all round. So yeah, I was really really privileged to win that. It's uh, it's an incredibly hard. Th- let me tell you, it's an incredibly hard thing to pick a. Uh, to pick, especially when it comes to players, because you can't possibly have seen or got across every single game that every single player has played. So you've kind of got to go by by the stories, and and some of the stories we were we were sort of told really really help lean people towards you. And, and I, I think it's probably fair to say that it's normally it's normally probably goal scorers and goalkeepers 
that that are the ones that make the headlines and 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 you're not either of those exactly yeah that that was my thinking behind um oh, i thought i have no chance looking at the, the other people nominated as you say like top scorers in their leagues and um as a defender you don't really as you said i like, hit the headlines because you're not the ones making the yeah. the largest noticeable impact but I, but I think it's fair to say that you had made a significant significant no, uh, noticeable impact there at, at Maidenhead. I mean, just just sort of talk me through your season last season because we haven't got much to talk about for you this season at the moment, sadly. But but how how was last? How did you find it? Because obviously you had a you've had a, a the, the Magpies have had a bit of a bit of an odd period of their history where they've had a couple of managers. It's all been about. But but last season there was a there was a real noticeable kind of change in the way that the club was the change in the way that kind of the club was run and you, you could kind of almost see it just from from the social media that, that something was happening it took time to get going but but what was that like for you as a as a player being part of that because you've been there for a while haven't you yes yeah I've been there for a while um it was quite an amazing turnaround um going into the season and all throughout pre-season we kind of were without a manager for a large period of time um Players were sort of leaving left, right, and centre because, as you, without a manager, there's no sort of structure behind the team. Um, and I think we even went into the first game of the season with like an interim manager and just about enough players. And then to suddenly have so many coaching staff join, um, it's been quite an amazing turnaround um, with our manager Ed and his partner Robin joining, and then with them bringing sort of like goalkeeping staff, um, a fitness coach, and and it's just it transforms the. <laughs> season um i think in previous years we've had one person running everything on them on their own they've got to yeah. set up the training um and actually try and manage individual players as well as concentrate on running the whole session whereas this year is such a noticeable impact having different people do their individual parts um which has been quite amazing uh, just you sort of saying a lot of it there were there were quite a few people sort of leaving and, and changing yeah. why why did you stay um, I think I've just I've always played for Maidenhead. To me, it feels like my club. It's sort of my local. It's in my local area. Um, I know all of the, the players who have been there for a while, um, and those who come to watch. And I just kind of I love the club, and yeah, that's pretty much why I didn't want to be one of the people leaving and then compounding the problem because at one yeah. point we were close to having to perhaps like forfeit our season or drop down a league, and that would be such so detrimental for the club and the progression of the club as a whole. And it's it, so so Maidenhead United women's team is one of the one of probably the rare rare teams. You you probably play at the best ground in in your division. Yeah. I because there's nowhere you know I know AFC Bournemouth have had a game or two at the uh, the Vitality Stadium, but but there are teams in that division that are not there. There you know there are are teams with equivalent professional men's teams that aren't going to be playing at the the men at the the sort of the uh, what's the what's the word I'm looking for the sort of the professional ground. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. but Maidenhead United women are and and it, it, it's a, it's an odd one. You, you probably go from from on on perhaps the men, especially in the in the national league with the with the men's first team, quite often derided as one of the worst grounds in the division. Whereas yeah. whereas yeah. actually you guys have actually probably got one of the best. Uh, does does that what, what does playing at York Road do for the team? Oh, it's an amazing experience. Um, I remember sort of a couple of years ago where we'd only get a couple of games at York Road and the rest would sort of be scattered around, but the club have made a real effort to try and ensure that all of our home games do take place at York Road and um, they look after the pitch so well. And it's just such a historic ground. Um, 
obviously we are trying for the new stadium build, but York yeah. Road still has that that history behind it. Um, the pitch is always perfect to play on, and um, it's just such a great great experience playing at York Road. And we're we're fortunate that now uh, we're at the point where, as you say, all of our games are pretty much on York yeah. Road, where a lot of teams in our division don't have that privilege. They have a separate ground for the women's team and a separate ground for the men's team. It's I, you know I've I've watched a few games at York Road. That pitch is big. Like, yes. I, I remember in, in, when I played Sunday League, I would always prefer the small pitches. It, yeah. it really, really, really helped my game, which was not running right. around. But, but obviously, you're, you know, uh, everything that I've read about 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 you and the, and the way that you play, your yours is an energetic, athletic game. So that pitch probably yeah. suits you. Yes, yeah. The bigger the pitch, the better for me. I prefer <laughs> room to run rather than a uh, little sort of intricate skill. That's not my forte. <laughs> It's it, it's it's yeah. It, it, I just I, I remember I've seen a, seen a couple of teams that I was involved with play there, and and just you can almost lose the game just looking at the size of the pitch. But that obviously doesn't affect you guys. No, no. I think it, it kind of quite suits the the style that we play. Um, that maidenhead, and I think we're just used to it now as well. Um, the more you play on the pitch, right, you get you adapt your style to how you're yeah. playing, and yeah. It's um it's obviously been been a been a as, as I mentioned at the start it's been quite a quite a goal laden season this season. Have you, I, I presume you're going to games. You're watching the games. Yes, yeah, I've been at pretty much every game I can. <laughs> have you have you kind of are you are you looking worrying about your place? How are you going to get back? <laughs> um, it's I think we're even at the point where we've had loads loads of injuries at Maidenhead, and so uh, whilst obviously it'll take a while to get my spot back course at the moment we have like a right winger playing in the right back position sometimes right. and so that there's room I'll, I'll have to work extra hard but I'm dedicated to get myself back in and and there are there are things there's sort of just there are times on on when I do these podcasts where like I, I want to ask kind of about how you got into football and and I feel like sometimes it's only when when we have female footballers on that I end up asking these questions and that feels a little bit not not quite right but but I, I also come from you know I, I don't know I, you're probably a good over 10 years younger than me and it comes from an area where when I was at school girls weren't playing football and it, it just so, so I'm always curious and I always end up asking this question and I suppose that's my my way of framing a, a, a why I'm probably asking quite a quite a naive question in this day and age but how did you yeah. start how did you um how, how did you sort of get get the bug so to speak I think um, I was always just kicking a football around with some of the boys in the playground. Um, my dad like quite is quite into his football as well, yeah. um, and my brother definitely didn't take to football, so he probably tried to push me into that line as well. And then um, we found like a local team. Um, so I grew up in Maidenhead, um, which was like a volunteer run. So it's called Maidenhead Boys and Girls, and um, they had some their boys teams and their girls teams and I think I joined around the age of eight and just absolutely fell in love with it and that was sort of every weekend every training session my dad was like ferreting me around the country um, <laughs> for the and, um and you just once once you're in I think you're just in and uh, I kind of never looked back from there pretty much stuck with mainly boys and girls up until I went to uni um played for the uni team and then just came back and it felt natural to try and go for Maidenhead United team and yeah just yeah fell in love with it and yeah never looked back so he he must be struggling a bit with you injured now who's he go who's he ferrying around yeah yeah exactly um yeah <laughs> I'll, I'll try and get down to as many games as I can to watch and 
as you say, it's been a pretty uh, goal-laden season. So it's been exciting from a, if I was from a neutral perspective. Yeah. But, uh, no back-in as a supporter on the side. The, uh, the the FA Cup run certainly um, certainly put put the club out there a little bit. The uh, I think the, the game against Sutton United with the with the really late uh, extra, yes. was it extra time winner wasn't it? I think it was uh, yeah extra time. Oh, I mean, I, I was watching it on Twitter, and sometimes, sometimes I think like what trying to watch a game on Twitter is is the hardest way to watch it because you know, for all you know, someone they could have been a goal, and everybody's too happy, and they haven't yeah. bothered tweeting it, or it yeah. could be dreadful, or someone's just completely forgotten about Twitter. Said it's the hardest way to watch a football match. So I, I'm envious of you actually being there for those. So I, I actually missed that one myself. Oh. I was it was quite soon to my surgery, so I was doing what you were doing, sitting at home, madly refreshing Twitter and our sort of like WhatsApp group to get updates. And But yeah, glad they pulled it back. And Oh, definitely. Um, so so injury-wise, how yeah. what what happened? Can we, can we talk about that? Yeah, sure. Um, so it was in a friendly game about two seasons, sorry, about two weeks before the season was meant to start. Um, so pretty gutting how, how close it was. Um, I just twisted my knee and it's... it's so common in the women's game. Um, mm. It was an MCL and an ACL injury for oh. me. Um, but that's just, the more people I speak to, how, I now realise just how common it is. Um, yeah. I'd never really heard of it too much before that. And now, yeah, I've speaking, spoken to so many who've gone through the same injury. Um, it, as you say, it's incredibly common in the women's game. And and, and it, it, it almost feels a little bit like a, a few years ago everybody had a metatarsal all of a sudden and yes. um, but it but I but I think I think this this is actually more based on 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 bodies and the way that that people are expected to move and th- this is you know this is a completely different type of injury I mean obviously it's on a completely different part of the body as well apart from anything else yeah. but have you spent sort of the time kind of researching it and doing anything about it? like not doing anything about it there's not a lot you can do aside from get better but um yeah. have you spent sort of time kind of reading up on it and, and and anything like that I have yes um and I think it's as you say it's more common in the female game than the men's game just due to the way our, our bodies are built and like our kind of bone structure and hormones. Yeah. And it's just one of those things. Um, it could be an impact or in, in my case, it was just just a twist and and that's it really. That, those are almost the worst because you can't blame anybody either. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's yeah, not much you can do about it. But thankfully I've had um, two surgeries now and I'm on, on the recovery. Um, How I, I know long a lot do you- of quite a long time to get their diagnosis and their surgery. So I've been quite fortunate to be able to push through quite quickly. How long do you think you'll be out still at this stage? So um, I'm about three weeks post my second op. And they say um, from the date of the op, it's about nine to 12 months return to football. Okay. So I'm talking about a month into next season. That's touch wood. If everything goes uh, okay. to plan, um, I'll be there kind of non-contact through pre-season and then about a month in, I'm yeah targeting back into the pitch. So it's 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 pretty much getting used to a different way of life for you at the moment, then. Yes, yeah, very much. So yeah, I'm normally such an active person, um, so it's a bit of an adjustment, but you kind of make the most of what you can. Um, I've already been crutching my way back to the gym, kind of working my <laughs> body as much as I can. So. At the, at the very least, of course, now now Maidenhead have got a there's a development side who who also yeah. seem to be to be doing doing really well had a, had a good start to life. So d- does that do, do you feel does that 
make it make life a little easier for you getting back into the game that you could kind of go go in there and and, and I'd imagine sort of a player as yourself as well would have a positive impact on on that team as well. Yes, yeah, definitely. Um, it gives me somewhere, as you say, that I can, when I'm just returning to start, um, clearly you can't just jump straight into the first team. Um, it gives me a like a platform to, like you say, help myself, but also um, just work with, there's a lot of younger players in the development squad and just add a bit of experience. Um, it's such a, a major, major thing for the club to be able to have this development squad and it just shows the the importance that the game is now putting on the women's game as well as the men's game and kind of the overall growth of the club. So we're really fortunate to have that in place now. Um, Just moving on to to partly the sort of the reason we ended up talking about this uh, and and getting in contact and getting you to do, getting you onto our podcast. Um, You've just written a piece for our Why I Love column in our email newsletter, which will go out at the same time as this. Um, and you, you talked about kind of the behind the scenes part of, of, of the game and perhaps not realising quite how much went into it. Do, do you, does that sort of lead you into thinking about what you might want to do later on in your, in your career? Do you, do you still have ambitions to go, to go further or, or are you sort of quite happy being, being the engine room of Maidenhead United? Um, no, definitely. Um, I think, as I mentioned in my article, when I was growing up, you just sort of just turn up and play, and everything else is just happens behind the scenes and is sorted for you. Um, but now I can really appreciate just how much goes into running a football club, um, and that's something I definitely, when I get close to, um, can no longer play. Um, definitely stay involved in the club, and it just makes such an impact. The people giving up their their time more than anything, um, because funding is always low, but just the time that people put in makes such every small thing makes such an impact as a player. And so I'd love to be able to replicate that for others when I get a little bit older. Um, in terms of going a bit further, I think um, just because I'm working full time, um, this kind of works for me at the moment. It's local enough uh, that I can manage both my work and the playing. And um, as I say, I, I love playing for this team. So quite happy here. Um, we we can't have a maidenhead player on without talking about the ground, and you've alluded to it a little bit. Um, obviously, we we had uh, we had Shay Bottomley on uh, a couple of weeks ago um, talking about the move us or lose us petition. Um, how important is it? I mean, you know, we we know how important it is for the for the club. How important is is that ground uh, and space and facility for the for the women's setup at, at the club? Oh, it's it's such an important thing. Um, as I say, I, I love playing at York Road. Um, the ground is amazing and the atmosphere there is amazing. But the setup that a new ground and all of the facilities around it would bring would just have such an impact, especially for sort of the younger players coming up. It gives room for like, youth teams to train. It gives room for um, for us as well as all of the, the younger girls. And it's just it would make such an impact for the club as a whole. Um, as I say, developing younger players and just keeping the club as one together. Um, so it's really important, and we, we've all signed the petition. And I, th- I think part of the part of the problem that I've, you know, I, I managed a, a, a women's team myself for a little while. Okay. Um, one of the hardest things was was getting new players, but getting younger players in as well. And 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 that that kind of bit that you talk about, where where you're able to then bring through players. I think that's key, and 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 a new shiny ground is only going to 
to make things better. So Definitely. I suppose what what would you say to to the people that are kind of against it and and they're against it for perfectly legitimate reasons, you know, you, you, it's it's not just an anti football thing, it's a it's a you know, it's a it's a green space. It's all of these arguments. So what what would you say specifically as a, as a player for the club to those people? I think I I can understand their reasons behind it. Um but I think it's just worth looking at the wider picture and just how much it would bring to the club as a whole, but also to the town, because Maidenhead United is such an important part of the of the town, of the community. And um, I just think looking at the bigger picture, it would be such an important move for us. Um, and uh, it would add so much to the community as a whole. And I think everyone's always thought that Maidenhead United are kind of punching above their weight in the sense that, uh, it's quite a small town, and yet both the men's team and the women's team are playing at high levels. Um, and so I think it just brings so much to the town as a whole. And do you, do you think that that Maidenhead United's women's team now have an opportunity with with Ed and his team to to go on? You know, it's it's probably not going to happen this year, but there doesn't seem to be any reason why the club isn't building towards perhaps going up the divisions. Yes, yeah, precisely. I think um, in previous years for us, it's always been. Um, make sure we get ourselves away from the relegation zone but definitely the goals going into this season and then into next and the one after will be to just I don't see why we can't move ourselves up the table as much as we can last year we finished with our highest ever points total and although as you say it's not going to happen this season we've got really solid foundations to to build upon and we've got younger players coming in which they're always going to add something to the squad and so I see no reason why we can't push on um, oh, where were, oh, there was there was something I was going to ask you then, and it's completely gone out of my mind. Oh, um, yes. So uh, one of the things that I that's going to be sound really good on the podcast because I'm not going to okay. be able to edit that bit out. <laughs> <laughs> um, one one of the things that that obviously the club did at the start of the season was they had a uh, they had a new shirt sponsorship which which they mm-hmm. they handed over to Calm, which was the campaign against living miserably, and it, it struck me as a as a really interesting way of using your shirt sponsorship and i know there were a bunch of companies that um that, that put in to uh to kind of cover the the, the missing cost of of that yeah but obviously that the, the the women's team especially have high been highlighting the 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 16 was it 16 suicides yes. in in the in the last was it was it a month oh, sorry now this is where my research should have come into come into play but the, but maybe, maybe you can explain that better to our to the to the listeners but but the the club have kind of and the women's team have taken that to heart and kind of run with it yes yeah definitely um it, it was 16 suicides that we've been highlighting and um having the shirt sponsor of calm i think it sends such an important message um so we're really thankful to the companies that have put in the funding behind that um it's such an important topic um i think nowadays mental health is definitely talked about a lot more than it used to be but we can always do more and i think it, it really resonates with both us as players and the community around. Um, at the moment, we are running a bit of a Christmas appeal where some players have been going down to uh, speak to some of the younger players, um, talk about the under nines, the under 10 girls, and just our presence turning up, we can see how much of an impact that makes. And so, so it's just something so small we can do is give up a little bit of our time and it makes such a big difference. So. Um, I think we're really thankful that this year we have been able to promote Calm with our shirt sponsor. And I think it's a topic that's definitely talked about more, but it can always be talked about 
more than it is. And uh, there's so many people, especially at this time of the year when you go into Christmas, um, who will feel the effects uh, the most. And so I think it's it's so important. Um, Karma doing such a great job as charity, but we can all sort of reach out and, and give something back. It, is, it sounds like it's it's been a good way for you to stay involved with things as well. Yes, yep, definitely. Um, I'll, I'll try and be there as much as I can for the rest of the team. Um, I'm the number one fan on the sideline at the moment, but <laughs> um, turning up to the games, I'm never on my own. There's always so many people who come to watch, um, even more more so nowadays, um, and it's always so great to see. Um, I think I'm definitely more nervous on the sideline than I am on the pitch. I don't know how people do it regularly. It's it, being on the, you know, even as as I mentioned when I when I was managing the team, it was it was so nerve wracking. Being I, I actually preferred being the linesman when I had to do the <laughs> linesman duty because yeah. I wasn't allowed to say anything. Then it was it was you know I mean I, I appreciate probably side to side shuttle runs isn't isn't in your in your gift at the moment, but uh, yeah. I would thoroughly recommend uh, volunteering for lino duty when you're when you're kind of ready to start moving because yeah. you just got to get on with it. You can't do anything then. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, I think I'll be a, quite biased as, as the linesman on the side there. Won't lie. My my trick was always to uh, to give a slightly dubious one early, uh, <laughs> because because then uh, then if you did make a mistake later, you go well. I gave that one earlier to you. That was that was always my uh, that was always my trick. Um, uh, anyway, so uh, sorry, slightly off topic. Um, you, you talk about sort of the the supporter base. Is is that something that's growing with the team? And, and I imagine having the team in one place, the same place, kind of every other week, is is helpful with that. Yes, yeah, definitely. Um, I remember when I first started, I'd be lucky to have a couple of people turn up to the game. And now um, there's always people on the sides from not even just friends and families of the players, but there's additional people from from the club who like to come and watch or from the local area. And it makes such an impact when you're on the pitch, um, just hearing the support on the side. Uh, we have a lot of the, the younger girls who come to watch the games as well now, although we are mascots for the games. And we can see the impact that it has on them, but on the flip side, the impact that it has on us and players is massive. Um, mm. And I think it's just it's just growing. It's going to be even bigger next year. Um, I, I suppose we'll sort of just round this off, and I, and I wanted to kind of just ask you a couple of kind of short questions. But um, thinking about the that that award you won with us, I know you won a, you won a club award as well next summer. Have you got any um, any kind of predictions as to who might take those awards off you? This is clearly you'll win them next summer, but uh, sorry, uh, the, the subsequent summer when you're back in the team. But but you're gonna if you could loan that if you're gonna loan them out for for a season, who do you think they they may well end up with at the moment? Oh, that's a hard question. I think we've got um, a lot of players who have really stepped up this year, um, but we've also had quite a bit of a, like squad turnover. So there's never sort of the same starting eleven each week, um, and so it's going to be a hard one. Um, I think we've got. Um, yeah, I can't pick it just yet, but oh. it's, 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 it's still got a long way to go. Uh, it's a, ever a uh, ever a footballer's answer to a question. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do, do do sort of the the aspects of defending um, and kind of playing at fullback. You know, you you must getting forward or or kind of def defending. Which which is the which is the the better better part of the game for you? What what do you prefer? I think very much defending. Last year was actually my first season at fullback. I've always been a centre back beforehand. Oh, and, yeah, um, do you know what? I knew that. I did know that. I, I did know that, and I, I don't know why I've not brought that up yet. And the the better question there was centre back or fullback. I think I'm quite enjoying fullback. There's a lot less pressure at fullback. Uh, if you make a mistake, the centre backs are there behind you. Yeah, I think. Fullback. <laughs> and um, 
and and I suppose with with the club, what what's your what's your kind of your ultimate ambition with the team? When when you when you decide that's it, I'm done, I'm hanging up my boots. What what would you like to look back on, or, or what would either what would you like to look back on, or what what would you say so far has been your been your biggest achievement with the team? I think um, with the team as a whole, I think last year was like really important to us. So we had a you mentioned that Bournemouth occasionally have games at the Vitality Stadium. Mm. We managed to to go and play there last year. And I think that just showed how far the club has come. Um, and so I think last year was such a great foundation for us as a club to then build with the development squad coming in, um, a big coaching staff who are like set with the club. And so I think that's probably the best year I've had football-wise. I think going forward, I'd, I'd love to see Maidenhead jump up into the third tier. I don't see why we can't, but I think I'll be happy if I know that there's such a solid foundation where we're never struggling for players and there's just the the growth of younger players all coming through and it's just a constant, as it should be. Uh, yeah. I think that would be, I'd know we're set if, if I know that as a club, we're just, we're not worrying and everything is flowing through as it should. Um, is there anything you would like to add? Anyone you'd like to give a shout out to? Um, just before we wrap things up, I think that's only fair. Oh, I think um, I'll have to give a shout out to my dad, who's been with me around the country. Um, I wouldn't be playing if he wasn't taking me rain or rain or sunshine and um, standing there in the cold. And like now that I'm standing there on the side, I don't I don't know how he did it. So <laughs> that's absolutely brilliant. Thank you very much for joining us. No, thank you for having me. This episode of Berkshire Football Stories was hosted by Tom Canning and featured guest Cardinal Malhotra. The podcast is produced by Tom Canning and the theme music is called Space Camp by Reading-based ukulele band Rocket Kings from the album Everyday Adventures and is available on Spotify. Find Football in Berkshire on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, threads and of course at footballinberkshire.co.uk.